Well, good evening. How are we doing this evening? Oh, somebody remembers. All right. Lovely. Well, for those of you that don't remember me, my name is Don Woody. I was here a few months back at your missions conference. Um, I want to apologize. My voice, I've just got something. So if, if my voice goes out on me tonight, then that means we get to go home early. So pray for me. Not that we go home early. Uh, but uh, very gracious of uh, Pastor Rick to invite us to come by. And uh, tonight I have the special privilege of, of uh, uh, bringing uh, Rick's cousin with me. Uh, and I mean, he's bringing my wife and my family. Uh, they're sitting over here, all, all but one child. Uh, my wife, Janice, my daughter, Malika, son, Jodas, and son, Taven. And our youngest is uh, back in Guelph with his grandfather. And... Uh, I just want to say thank you for just the, the opportunity to come by and share tonight. And as I was talking with Rick and uh, uh, getting this all set up and asking the Lord, you know, what, what, what should I bring to, to the church tonight? What, and uh, the Lord said, why don't you just preach to yourself? And, I, you know, I don't know if Rick, if the, if the Lord's ever told you just to preach to yourself, but this is the message that I need to hear tonight. And um, I think it's a pretty good message uh, as we look at, uh, if you have your Bibles, open them to Isaiah chapter 6. It's a familiar passage, but we're going to attack it in a very uh, different way, I think. But the uh, book of Isaiah chapter 6, well, in, 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 in uh, chapter 1, verse 1, it talks about Isaiah as the son of Amos. And that's very important to know, and we're going to see that a little bit later. But in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1, it says... In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up. It's funny that he uses a time marker. I don't know if you have time markers in your life, but I'm the youngest of nine children. And the best that I can, you know, as I look back on growing up in the family that I grew up in, the best that I can figure is my mama was a hoarder. Now, they didn't call it that back then. She just collected stuff. And, and the only way that she could not, you know, have us be overrun is every year or every other year we moved so that you could just leave all the stuff behind. And so my life... Growing up when we're talking with family is, oh yeah, that was when we lived on such and such street. You know, time markers. Well, here Isaiah has given us a time marker. In the year that King Uzziah died, now you can imagine what was going on through his mind. Because you see, you didn't know from one king to the next king how it was going to be. What was the economy going to be like? What was this next king going to do? What was the stability? Because, quite frankly, King Uzziah had, had 55 years of very successful reign. A lot of stability, a lot of growth, a lot of good. It's kind of like in, in, in the U.S. You pray for your sister churches in the U.S. Because right now our economy is not doing well. Doesn't look like it's going to get much better in the future. Most of the churches in the U.S., two-thirds of the churches in the U.S. are 250 people or less. 60% of the churches are 250 people or less. 
and probably half of those churches are two offerings away from closing their doors. And we got an election coming up, and, and there's a lot of instability in our country right now. And I'm sure that's the exact same way it was with Isaiah. He had a lot of instability in his heart and his mind. Yet in the midst of this kind of turmoil, if you will, he sees a clear vision of the Lord. Why is that? How does that happen? Because you see, I don't think it just happened by chance. I think Isaiah was a young man that was prepared. And there's some good reasons on how he was prepared. Fact of the matter is, we're going to look at, turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 26. We're going to look at the life of King Uzziah and what happened to possibly help prepare Isaiah to have a clear vision of the Lord. In 2 Chronicles chapter 26, it says, verse 1, Now all the people of Judah took Uzziah, who was 16 years old, and made him king instead of his father Amaziah. He built Elath and restored it to Judah after the king rested with his fathers. Uzziah was 16 years old when he became king, and he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jecoliah, or however you pronounce that. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father Amaziah had done. He sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding in the visions of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper Uzziah brought his nation into religious revival, seeking after the Lord. Verse 6, Now he went out and made war against the Philistines, broke down the wall of Gath, the wall of Jabna, and the wall of Ashdod, and he built cities around Ashdod and among the Philistines. Uzziah led the army of Israel, of Judah, rather, sorry, the army of Judah, into conquest, expanding the borders of the nation, adding to it territory. Verse 7, God helped him against the Philistines, against the Arabians who lived in Gerbal, and against the Meunites. Also, the Ammonites brought tribute to Uzziah. His fame spread as far as the entrance of Egypt, for he became exceedingly strong. Uzziah developed foreign relations with the nations around him. Verse 9, And Uzziah built towers in Jerusalem at the corner gate, at the valley gate, and at the corner buttress of the wall. Then he fortified them. Uzziah was involved in urban developments. Of Jerusalem. Verse 10 also, he built towers in the desert. He dug many wells, for he had much livestock, both in the lowlands and the plains. He also had farmers and vine dressers in the mountains and in Carmel, for he loved the soil. Moreover, Uzziah improved life 
by digging wells, by providing water, by establishing infrastructure, enabling growth in the main economy of agricultural and livestock. Verse 11, moreover, Uzziah had an army of fighting men who went out to war by companies according to the number on the roll as prepared by Jeriel the scribe and Mesael, the officer under the hand of Hananiah, one of the king's captains, the total number of chief officers of the mighty men of valor, valor was 2,600. And under their authority was an army of 377,500 that made war with mighty power to help the king against the enemy. Verse 14, then Uzziah prepared for them, for the entire army, shields, spears, helmets, body armor, bows, and slings to cast stones. He made devices in Jerusalem, invented by skillful men to be on the towers and the corners to shoot arrows and large stones. So his fame spread far and wide. Uzziah built up the army the defenses, the fortresses. You know, there's nothing that makes a nation feel secure than to know, hey, our guys can take on anybody. They'll take on anybody. Just bring them on. That was the kind of king that Uzziah was for 55 years until he became proud. In his own eyes. It says, He was strong, verse 16, but when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction. For he transgressed the Lord his God by entering the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. So Azariah, the priest, went in after him, and with him were 80 priests of the Lord, valiant men. Did you get that? Talked about the mighty soldiers, but in the same breath, 80 priests considered to be valiant men. And it says in verse 18... And they, Azariah the priest, the high priest, and the 80 valiant men withstood King Uzziah and said to him, It is not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord. For the priests, the sons of Aaron, who are consecrated to burn incense, get out of the sanctuary, for you have trespassed. You shall have no honor from the Lord God. Can you imagine why they're called valiant men? Because they're standing up to the king. They're saying no to the king. They're saying, hey, you're in the wrong spot. The king is the guy that goes, wait wait a minute. I'm the one that decides who's in the wrong spot. I'm the king here. You don't tell me. Guard, take off their heads. In the face of their own possible peril.
apparel. The 80 men with the high priest stood up to the king and said, no, no, this is not right. This is not for you. This is not God's design. This is not where you are to go. Verse 19, then Uzziah became furious and he had a censer in his hand to burn incense. And while he was angry with the priests, leprosy broke out on his forehead before the priests in the house of the Lord beside the incense altar. We don't know exactly how long it was from the time that the leprosy came upon him to the time that he died. Some of the biblical historians think maybe seven, eight months. But why is this so important in the life of Isaiah? Because Isaiah was a young man, but he had a dad named Amos. And Amos was one of those 80 priests. Isaiah was a man who saw a dad stand up for what was right, even facing his own peril. Isaiah had a dad who was valiant, in the Lord. Uzziah didn't finish well. Amos did. Amos, I think that's how you say it. Finished well. I'm 53 years old. I can kind of see towards the end of ministry. You know, 20, 30, 40 years down the road. And I have to ask myself, are you going to finish well? Are you still going to live by faith? You see, I want my sons, my daughter, my family to pass on the legacy of serving God. My relationship with my father wasn't the greatest. And the last probably 20 years of my father, he had had a time where he'd kind of gotten away from the Lord. But the last 20, 25 years, my father really came back to the Lord. And I can't tell you how many times as a, as a young teenager, young man, I would walk into my parents' house and sit down on the couch with my dad as he's witnessing to some street person he's brought in off the street. Or at my father's funeral, we started hearing all the stories about my dad who would work down at the, the feeding shelter, the homeless shelter, and come home without shoes or come home without a jacket. 
My dad wasn't perfect by any means. But I saw my dad tell people about Jesus. I think that that's probably why I'm telling people about Jesus. I got to see that. Some of my older brothers and sisters never saw that from my dad. What kind of legacy men are we going to leave for our children? Is there a ministry that you're involved in that you can involve your children in? I'm so thankful for, I talked about this in the missions conference, Orlando Children's Church, because it's given our family a, a ministry. Primarily my wife leads a certain aspect of it, but all of our children are involved. Ministry is just part of life. It's what we do. It's not something special. It's not something for the pastor. No. It's just everybody. We're called. All of us are called to ministry. We're all to be a part of sharing Christ. Now, on a night like tonight, I know I'm kind of preaching to the choir. Hopefully, I'm encouraging you. Because the pastor was telling me about some of the cool things that have happening. People getting saved, being baptized, and, <clears throat> and the meaning of the butterflies over here. And You know, but how far do we want it to go? How far can it go? Because you see, as men, when we trust God by faith, And trust me, in the United States, there are a lot of Christians that are finally having to learn what that really means. You see, most people in the States, Christians, trust in this. And I've been trying to convince them it's not this, but it's what's written on here. You see, on U.S. money, to still... It says, you got to read your money. In God we trust. And that's what Isaiah saw. He saw a dad that trusted in God. He saw a dad that had faith to believe God for great and mighty things. What is it are you trusting God for? Are you involving your kids in it? In our household, we just call it God normal. When God does God stuff, it's just God normal. That's what he does. In New Tribes Mission, as I'm a representative for New Tribes, I'll just give you a cool thing. Again, in an economy where in the church, offerings are way down. I don't care what church you go to. They're down. Missions giving. <laughs> Non-existence. Our headquarters down in Sanford, Florida, a few of you I know have been there, visited, come by. We desperately needed to move from the building that we're in, which was an old hotel built in 1924. 
It's costing us $350,000 a year just for the maintenance on the building because it's, it's just old. And we need to double our office space. And we need to do all these kind of things. And our offerings are this way, not this way. How in the world are you going to do that? And this economy, Orlando Children's Church, we need another bus. We need about a whole new building and a whole new place to meet. Trusting God for something great. And new tribes, guess what? In a completely low economy, this, there's a building in downtown Sanford where I live. It's six stories tall. It was the Southeast Regional Headquarters for a bank. And that bank got bought out by another bank. And so they wanted to sell this building. And a foundation bought the building in the name of New Tribes Mission and is going to lease the building. It's, it's technically our property, but in the foundation's name still for the next 50 years. And on the ground floor, there are four or five businesses that asked us, look, we don't really want to move. Can we still stay here? Is that, would that be okay with you? So we're like, Rent, yes, that's good. We'll take that. It's the tallest building in the county. So guess what? It's on top of all the roof. Every cell phone tower of every kind of thing you can imagine. And a company that manages the contracts of these towers came and said, listen, would you sell us the contracts to the cell phone towers and we will pay you $1.5 million to sell us the contract, and then we will give you 30% of the contract money for the towers that are there, plus we want to bring in four or five more. Now, on top of that, the bank, they had, you know, this was their regional headquarters. They had these huge, you know, conference tables, $20,000 tables. Who buys a table 20 grand? You know, I mean, what were they thinking? No wonder they got bought out by somebody else. I don't know. <clears throat> Tables, chairs, office furniture, copiers, you name it. <coughs> Excuse me. They said, hey, could you guys use that stuff? Because it would save us from having to pay somebody to come in and get it out of there. We're like, oh, let us pray about that one. Okay. <laughs> Not only that, how many of you have ever heard of the internet? Okay. Well, we talk about the internet, and we talk about going online. But the internet is actually physical things. And in this building are two servers of the internet, the actual part that makes up the internet. And that was because the bank had to have to make sure they, you know, they, it's like they couldn't, you know, Bright House or whatever, uh, Rogers, you know, oh, their line's down. We can't get to China with our wire transfer. No, no, no. They had to own part of the internet. 
to make sure that their business, and you know, we're talking speeds that you and I can't even comprehend, okay? So we have two servers that we can lease parts of the internet. So effectively, to shorten it up, we are going from a building that is costing us $350,000 a year just to maintain to three times the space building that's going to make us money. Is that not a good deal? See, when you grow up believing God for stuff, believing like the song that we sang, you said, ask me. When we live by faith, God honors it every time. And God honored the faith of Amos as he withstood King Uzziah to his face and said, No, sir, for you to do what you're going to do, you're going to have to kill me. And Isaiah, as a young man, saw the faith in his father. Isaiah grew up in a household where they understood God normal. And Isaiah was prepared to see God. How many of us parents want our children to really see God? Isaiah says in Isaiah 6, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphim, each had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, with two he flew And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Is that the God that you know? Is that the vision of God that you have? Isaiah wasn't special. Isaiah was just a guy. Anybody that wants to can step into relationship with God on this level. Can develop relationship with God to see God normal every day. How are we going to reach a lost and dying world when our economy is up in the air, leastways in the U.S.? When, uh, you know, it's a good thing my wife's as smart as she is because, see, we had all of our children here in Canada. So my kids can travel on Canadian passports. 
But you know what? There are countries now we can't go to with U.S. passports. Who's going to reach them? Um, oh, Canada. How are we going to do that? How is that possible? Because certainly the stock market was really clicking when Jesus gave the final command of the Great Commission to the disciples. I mean, their bank accounts were plush. They were set. They were ready to go, right? No, if I remember properly, they were being occupied by a foreign army. See, God's economy... And this is a confusing thought. It's a paradigm or a paradox, whichever it fits. I can't remember which. God's economy doesn't run on money. But it takes money to run economy. Does that make sense? It's not about the money. It's about God. It's about trusting him. It's about believing in a God of miracles that is so great that he sits high on a throne, lifted up, cherubim, seraphim, sing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, day and night, because he is. And just as God gives an invitation to Isaiah, God gives us an invitation to step in line with him, to follow him, to enter relationship with him. That's what God desires tonight. God desires for us to see him for who he is, and not look at our circumstances. Not be confined by what our bank account says, but what God and his word tells us. And even if it means at the peril of our life, maybe saying to the king, Hey, stop. You see, there's more examples of martyrs than of miraculous deliverances. Read Hebrews sometime. Kind of clues you in. Because it's not about us. It's about a God who sits high on a throne. Are we going to, parents, are we going to leave our kids a legacy of living by faith, of looking to God so that they will carry on? Because, at least ways in the States, it's not looking good. It's not looking good on the physical. I'm so glad 
that my God sits on the throne.